0: Welcome to the In All Things Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from friendship and personalities to contentment and faith. Our goal, to encourage you to seek Christ in all things. Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Sierra. Let's imagine you're in my living room and dive into real conversation. Hey guys, I hope you had a wonderful couple weeks. I took a couple weeks of a break. and took some time to think up new content for the podcast, spend time with some of my friends, and I even got to take a little mother daughter girls trip with my mom and sister, which was so much fun, but it is good to be back as well. When we talked about finding a church earlier this spring, I mentioned that a really important thing to look for is accountability of church leadership. And I think I even said that I wanted to do an entire episode on this topic which is what is leading me to today. But there's a lot more to accountability than just with church leadership because you and I need accountability as well. This has kind of turned into a two-in-one episode a little because we need to talk about judgment and accountability. In order to hold others accountable or even expect others to hold us accountable, there is some judgment that is needed. It's actually a common misconception that Christians are not supposed to judge. Now, don't get me wrong. We can look at many verses in the Bible that do say, do not judge. Matthew 7, 1 through 2 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. James 4, 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And then Romans 14.10 says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Each of those verses are the ones that are pointed to and used when people say that Christians shouldn't judge. And it really does. It sounds like a great sentiment, doesn't it? But it's not really so cut and dry as that. In the past, I've talked about the importance of looking at the context of verses, and it's the same thing for these verses. Within their context, these verses reveal what kind of judgment they're talking about. In the Matthew verses that I read, Jesus is calling out the religious hypocrites, the Pharisees, who were really very legalistic. There is a whole list of do nots that come in chapter six in which we are not to be like the Pharisees. And it continues in chapter seven with do not judge. So knowing that context, we learn that really what it's saying is don't judge as the Pharisees do according to their own law. Because the Pharisees, they were complete hypocrites they twisted the law of God into what they wanted it to say. And then they held everyone else to impossible standards that weren't even set by the Lord in the first place. And they thought of themselves as high and quite literally holier than thou when they weren't even honoring God themselves. And the James verse is talking about slandering each other. And we don't need to do that. The Greek word that is used for judge in these verses, means to condemn or sentence or damn. So in this light, we as believers are definitely not called to judge others. It is not our position to play God and condemn somebody for their sins. Only God does that. Thank goodness, right? So in some lights, Yeah, we're not supposed to judge others, but in a condemning way. And we aren't supposed to say, hey, God doesn't love you anymore because you do A, B, and C. Or you're going to hell because of A, B, and C. But let's take a look at a couple other verses that talk about a different kind of judgment. In 1 Corinthians 5, we see a seemingly contradicting scene. It sounds like we're being told the exact opposite from the verses that we just read. It actually does mean something different. It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Sounds pretty different, doesn't it? Paul is saying, I'm not telling you to not associate with non-believers because you would have to leave the earth if that was going to be the case. I'm telling you to be discerning in your judgment of people who claim to be a believer. And then he actually goes on to give us an actual direction to judge those inside the church. And I would be willing to bet that most of us have probably never heard this passage before. Maybe because it sounds a little harsh. Maybe because we want to keep up the facade that we aren't supposed to judge people. In Galatians 6, we also hear Paul saying, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is a little bit more of a gentle approach that Paul is taking here than before in that last passage, but it really is the same message. We are called to restore our fellow believers to righteousness. And there are different stages of this, but among them, Would be to call them out on their sin. The key word here that Paul is using is gently, which to be clear would be opposite of condemning or damning someone. We are called to righteousness as Christians, and we are called to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to righteousness as well. We can read a little bit more about this in Ephesians 4. When we grow in maturity in our faith, we move beyond being deceived by the messages that we get from every which side of us. We move beyond being thrown about by different ways of believing because we grow in our faith and believing the word of God. As these verses go on, we are then called to speak the truth in love and continue growing as a body of believers. But if we aren't willing to build each other up in Christ, then how can we as the body of Christ actually grow? We aren't called to look at someone within the church and have this high and lofty legalistic spin on scriptures and deem who is and who isn't getting into heaven. That would be what Jesus was talking about when he said not to judge. Yet as Christians, we do have a responsibility to the kingdom of God to help our fellow believers grow in maturity. And not only that, but we have a responsibility to, pr- to protect the gospel. It is us as believers who represent Christ. When unbelievers see believers acting in accordance with the world and not following biblical instructions, how are they going to see the genuineness of Jesus? Some people think it's okay to gossip or lie or be short-tempered because they witness Christians gossiping and lying and having a short temper. It is on believers for how the gospel gets represented in the world, and that is why it's encouraged in the Bible to call out other believers when they're not living a life of righteousness. Which then moves us into the accountability portion, because once we see an issue that is unbiblical in a believer's life, we do need to know how to handle that. Clearly, we now know that we aren't supposed to condemn them, Going back to that verse in James that I read earlier, we also know that we are not supposed to slander them. We don't need to go around telling others how bad he or she is because of A, B, and C. And then we also see that we are supposed to help restore believers who have been caught in sin. But there's one question that hasn't been answered yet, and that's, how do we do this? Because to me, that really doesn't sound like a very fun job at all. It comes with a great risk, to your relationship with that person. And because of that risk, we have to ask ourselves, which is more important, obeying the word of God and speaking the truth in love to this person? Or is it more important how this person views me? When we don't approach a brother or sister in Christ who is living in sin, that is disobedience. And that disobedience, as much as this is hard to hear, can also misrepresent the gospel of Jesus. Jesus talks about the importance of this in Matthew. In fact, the section is titled, Dealing with Sin in the Church. So it's pretty clear. <laughs> um, I'm going to read the passage from Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen to you, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen— tell it to the church and if they refuse to listen even to the church treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector for where two or three gather in my name there am i with them i got to say that those are pretty clear directives given right we don't have to sit and wonder how we are supposed to do this very difficult task it doesn't really make the task easier except that we know this is what we are called to do by the lord we're not doing this to make this other person's life worse. We're not doing it to cast judgment. We're doing it because the Lord says to. But we also then have to make sure that that is our motive. Love, peace, um, and spiritual maturity, those are what need to be our motivation. We don't want to humiliate or shame or condescend in this process. If this person on the receiving end doesn't receive it well, even when you bring in the church, we have to remember that we are not responsible for their reaction. We are the ones who have obeyed the Lord. Jesus tells us that if they still refuse to listen to the church, to treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. And I got to admit that at first I was kind of confused by the statement, which then just kind of proved to me, okay, that was, my actual, that was my human response. Because how does Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? If we look at Mark 2, we actually see this exact question answered. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call this righteous, but the sinners. Looking at Jesus as example, we understand that these people are not removed from the church. Like when, when Jesus is saying, treat them as pagans and tax collectors, we're not removing them from the church. We're not excommunicating them. And it's not being done out of anger or out of punishment. It's being done out of love. And these people Maybe they're reaching this point of discipline, but they're still supposed to be loved and pursued just like the prodigal son. When you approach someone, and actually this even applies if someone approaches you, we have to make sure our reasonings are biblical. Romans 14 explains some situations in which not to judge other believers in the discerning way, not the condemning way, if they choose a different day of the week than you to observe the Sabbath. Um, if they choose to eat different meats than you do, we're told that we don't need to judge them we don't need to confront them in any way regarding these choices. These are not fundamental Christian values, sexual immorality, greed, pride, lying, gossip these are worth confronting a brother and sister about don't become a legalistic Pharisee when you approach them. Come to them as a humble, obedient servant of Christ. And if somebody has to approach you, one, we need to remember that we need to be humble and accepting. But we can listen to that person, hear their reasoning, and compare that with Scripture. And if it doesn't align with Scripture, then you need to continue following Christ. But if it does align with Scripture, then we need to have that open heart to both that person and to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So we have talked about not judging unbelievers because they can't be held to the same standards as Christians. It doesn't mean that they're living sin-free because they aren't believers, but because they don't believe, they actually have a completely different worldview far from Christ. And if their life choices reflect those of the world, we honestly can't expect anything different. We've also talked about judging, not condemning, judging other Christians out of love. But what about Christian leaders? Should they be held to even higher standards? When I talk about Christian leadership, I am referring to pastors, to church boards, or otherwise known as elders, um, deacons of a church, etc. Basically, anybody who has a leadership role within the church. And it's really important to recognize that the Bible does actually address this. It says in Titus that an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. It is very clear in this passage that an elder or a church leader is held to very high standards. Churches have boards for this purpose, so that one person in the church is not just calling all the shots. Because that becomes really dangerous territory. And I know this can be a little bit of a touchy topic because it has the possibility of insinuating things about our leaders. The Bible talks about false teachers and to watch out for them. And having an accountability team like a church board helps fend off the wolves in sheep clothing. They can call pastors out if they say something incorrect or unbiblical in their sermons. There was a very well known and well respected preacher who passed away in the last couple of years. And since his death, he has unfortunately been accused of a lot of sexual immorality. And the investigations that have since been launched have proven those accusations true. I'm not going to get into the entire story itself, but besides the actual sin that was committed, because that's the main big issue there were actually a lot of subsequent problems that also happened. And part of those problems were the lack of accountability. Some accusations actually first surfaced when this man was alive. But the board of his organization didn't believe those accusations because they trusted the pastor's testimony and character. Now, whether they believed him or not, an investigation should have been launched for the sole purpose of accountability. If it wasn't true, it would have cleared his name, and that is always a good thing, but he was believed, and that stems from idolatry. And I want to make it clear that this man and this story is so far from being the only one. I could name many other examples from similar ranks of status to those on a much smaller scale of familiarity who have all led their congregation or their followers astray. No matter who it is, we should never think so highly of someone that we deem them incapable of sin. That means someone like a nationally known pastor, um, your local pastor, maybe a Christian influencer or author of some sort, a parent, a spouse. No one is above reproach. But because church leaders are widely influencing the body of Christ, They need to be held to higher standards. If they're hurting people or leading people astray, whether intentionally or not, they are now poor witnesses to the gospel, and therefore they need to be held accountable. There are many teachers and pastors out there right now who are false teachers, who are twisting what scripture says and creating their own gospel, who are leading people to themselves. And in extension, then leading them straight to the devil, not to the king of kings. We are told in multiple places that we are to be on the watch for false teachers because they deceive many people. And because of this, it is again our responsibility as believers to grow in maturity in our faith and help our brothers and sisters do the same. These Bible passages aren't saying that, oh my goodness, the pastor can't accidentally slip up, right? That happens. They're human. We trip over things or maybe accidentally say the wrong thing, but we should be able to call the pastor out on that, or maybe it'd be better if we didn't even have to. Maybe they realize this themselves, but then they just, they correct themselves and they clear it up. There's a lot to dig into regarding this topic because one topic leads to another. So like the conversation on judgment led to the conversation on accountability, And then, as I mentioned, it can lead to a conversation of false teachers, which eventually leads us to the end times. And and trust me, I do eventually have plans for each of these, because I believe that we were given this information so clearly in the Bible that these are things that God wants us to know. They're not just for the scholars or the super well-educated. We are given this information. I hope this was a helpful episode, and I just pray that as each of us go about our lives, that we are filled with courage and humility to not judge unbelievers, to not condemn anyone, including believers, but then courage to be able to approach the believers in a loving way when needed to call them out on their sin. I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining today's conversation. I hope this was an encouraging episode as you continue to walk with the Lord. If it was, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps with the app's algorithm and allows In All Things to be accessible to even more people. Share with your friends and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at In Pod on both of those and visit our website at inallthingspodcast.com. See you next time.